Amen. Thank you. Thank you, praise team. Appreciate that. That was beautiful. Beautiful songs and wonderful songs to worship today. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you take your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, we're going to be continuing our study through the book of Mark. And uh, the title of the series is Join the Journey. Join the Journey. What it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ and what you'll find as you follow Christ. And the story I'm going to share with you today is just a powerful story. I've preached on it before with Mother's Day, and I'm going to do more of focus on the context of it within the book of Mark today. And so if you find your place there in Mark chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 24 to 30. So let's stand together. We'll read God's Word. The title of the message today is Craving Crumbs, Craving Crumbs. Verse 24. Jesus got up and went away from there to the region of Tyre, and when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it, yet he could not escape notice. But after hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of the Syrophoenician race. She kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter, and he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it's not good for to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. And he said to her, Because of this answer, go. The demon has gone out of your daughter. And going back to her home, she found the child laying on the bed, the demon having left. You may be seated. Let's do a quick poll. Raise your hand if you like pizza. Okay, that was pretty, pretty, pretty obvious there. Uh, you know, I love pizza. I love it any time. Had it last night with my wife. I just, I love pizza. Anytime you can get it, I love to enjoy it. I mean, it's a surefire way to get all of the food groups into one delivery agent. I mean, think about that. It's, it's the healthiest thing for you. Dairy, and uh, you've got the grains, and the meats, and the veggies, and the fruits all in one pizza. It's an amazing thing. I'm thinking about writing a, a book called The La Pizzeria Diet. And the subtitle will be, How to Eat Pizza and Lose Weight. Now, if you'll go on my diet, look on Amazon, you can get it for 10 bucks. If you'll go on Amazon and find my book, in four weeks, I promise you, you'll look like this. (laughs) Now, if you eat the pizza and you don't go on my diet, in four weeks, you'll look like this. (laughs) So it's your choice. 10 bucks, you can really look good. All right, so I want to tell you, uh, I was up in Chicago not too long ago. I don't know if you've ever eaten deep dish Chicago pizza, and it's incredible. I mean, uh, I guess they got one of the Unos in, in Raleigh, but uh, I ate at Giordano's, uh, Lou Minaldi's, I think that's how you say it, and uh, Uno's. And so uh, one of the guys in the last service was from Chicago, and he said Giordano's is the best. And most of the locals will say Giordano's deep dish Chicago pizza is the best. But I'm kind of between Uno and Lou Minaldi's, and uh, those two were incredible. So the official position of Trad Baptist Church is Uno's pizza, okay? Deep dish, that's our view. But anyways, uh, while I was up there, I ordered in a cast iron bowl, They cook it for you, and they bring it out, and it's only seven inches around. And I thought, man, I'll be eating two of those. There's no way. And and you look at that thing, and you see it, and you don't think there's much there from the top level. But then when you slide it out of the cast iron bowl, it's like that thick. 
It's that thick. I couldn't even finish the seven-inch round pizza. It was that thick. And what's incredible about it is it's got layer after layer of layer of layer of different things all within it. It's the most incredible thing I've eaten there, and I just loved it so much just to see all of that. Now, the reason I told you that whole story is because when you come to this woman in, in Luke chapter, or Mark chapter 7, and you see seven short verses, it's like deep dish pizza in Chicago. Uh, and the way I want to explain that is there's layer after layer after layer in this story that is often missed because you're just kind of reading it through and he casts out the demon and that's it. But there is so many things here. I want to just take the time uh, to kind of cut through those layers and help you see that from this passage today because I, I love this passage. I want to look at this woman's heart and yet I want to look at God's heart and what he's trying to do with us. So I've outlined this message around this idea. There are five layers to cut through to evoke a startling response from the Lord to her need. Now, I have to her need, and then I put in little parentheses, your need. And the idea there is I want you to hear this woman's story, but I want you to apply it to your life. And I'm really hoping the Spirit of God will speak to you. There's some things that in this story are most important to me, and I hope to really describe them to you here today. So let's jump right in, okay? Number one, her unspoken shame her unspoken shame. The Bible says in verse 24 that she came, uh, Jesus came to the region of Tyre and he entered a house. He wanted no one to know it, yet he could not escape notice. After hearing of him, a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit came and fell at his feet. Now, the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician race. I'll just stop right there so you capture this. Jesus is at a point with his disciples. He wants to take another break. In the last chapter, he was very busy again, and so he wants to go and take a break. That's not unusual, to get away and take a break with his disciples. What's unusual is where he goes, all right? If you'll note that there, that word tire there. Um, it's surprising he would go to Tyre. That's the Gentile region. More specifically, today, it's modern-day Lebanon. Now, why does that matter to the text here? The reason that matters is because even Josephus said this in the first century, it's the bitterest enemy of Israel. You may be familiar with the term Hezbollah. Uh, they are the enemies from Lebanon that are merciless toward the Jews, and they're on the northern border, and uh, I've been there when I went to the tribe of Dan. You go to these little villages. Of course, I didn't go into the village. It's very dangerous to go there, and they don't even let some people into those areas on the northernmost part of Israel because of the danger, because the Hezbollah send these little um, rocket launchers, and they send them randomly into these villages and kill people, and then they shoot bullets all the time just to aggravate them just to aggravate him. It's, it's unbelievable. I've witnessed it with my own eyes. And uh, that's kind of where this woman is from, okay? She is from this area of Lebanon. And um, it, it, it is the bitterest enemy, okay? So having said that then, the Bible says this Syrophoenician woman finds out that Jesus is there, and she goes and looks for him, goes right into the house, and falls at his feet. Now, I want you to notice a few things that are against her as she does this. Okay, it's her unspoken shame. The first thing, this woman is super unclean. She's not just unclean, she's super unclean. First of all, she's living in a home where a demon is living in her daughter. 
Okay, so, but she's super unclean. In other words, coming into this house with Jesus and the disciples, she's an outsider. She doesn't fit. Now, that's a good thing to think about here today because I'll close it out with this idea. Do you ever feel like an outsider? Do you ever feel like you're an outsider in certain situations? And this is exactly how this woman felt. So, she's not only super unclean because she's from this region, she's a Gentile. The translation for Gentile is very simple in the Bible. It means non-Jew. You're non-chosen. That's all it means. And so just the very fact that she's a Gentile, everybody in the room is a Jew, they're looking at her like, what are you doing in here? You know, we're here on a vacation, we're here on a break, and here you come right into the house. Okay, so she's super unclean. Number two, and this may be a little harder, so she's a woman. You say, what's the deal with that? They were not respected in Jewish culture. As a matter of fact, if you were a woman, you could not even be a witness in court because your testimony could not be trusted. That's how they looked down on women in the first century. So here this woman who's a Gentile comes into the house, and she is walking in and violating every cultural norm in her shame. The third thing is she's from Syrophoenicia. Now, what does that mean, this uh, Syrophoenician woman? She's a descendant from the region where Jezebel's from. So she's like a daughter of Jezebel. She's the Jezebel of the New Testament. Now, they hated Jezebel, and they hated this region because of Jezebel, because Jezebel almost single-handedly tore apart the northern kingdom of Israel. That's how wicked that woman was, almost tore the whole nation apart. And so they couldn't stand being in this region, and they couldn't stand her. So before this woman can even open her mouth, the disciples can't stand her. And in Matthew 15, the parallel passage, they even say, Lord, get rid of her. Get rid of her. Get her out of here. That's the way they feel about her. Now, if the Pharisees would have saw this going down where this Gentile woman steps into the house with Jesus, I mean, their heads would have started spinning right there. I mean, like in the movies, just going round and round because they would have seen this unclean, super unclean woman in the presence of Jesus, and they would have used that against him. On all counts, this woman was an outsider. All right? That's important to note right here. Just as I get into this message, she's an outsider. And if you ever feel like an outsider, you kind of have a little idea what it's like to be this woman. And by the way, I don't want that for anyone here. I don't want you to feel like an outsider. And if anyone makes you feel like an outsider, it's wrong. It's wrong. Because this is a place where you should not feel like an outsider. And some people act like Pharisees and they make you feel like an outsider. And here the disciples are doing that without even saying a word. And so I just want you to see that kind of concept right there, okay? So here's her unspoken shame. That's the background of it. Number two, here's her insurmountable dilemma. Verse 26 says that she kept asking to cast the demon out of her daughter, and he was saying to her, let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. All right, let's just think about this for this insurmountable dilemma. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. She's a young girl between the ages of 8 to 10, 
Okay, that's a Greek word there for the little daughter, eight to ten years of age. So she begins to beg Jesus. She falls at his feet, and the Bible says there she kept on asking. She just kept on asking over and over and over. She was committed to rescuing her daughter. She wasn't going to take no for an answer, so she just kept asking him and begging him, please cast the demon out of my daughter. Now, what that tells me is that Jesus was not quick to answer her. He allows her to sit there and beg. He allows her to sit there and keep asking the question and repeat it over and over. And when he does answer, he seems harsh and insensitive. It seems very harsh. It's an unusual passage. It's not like any other passage in the book of Mark. Uh, He says to her, let the children first be filled. It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, best case, that's an awkward thing to say to a woman. Best case. Worst case, Jesus sounds like a little bit of a jerk to talk to her like that. It's not good for me not to feed the children and let the dogs get it under the table. Now, The only thing that can make that worse is if he would have called her a cat. Now that would have been bad. (laughs) I know you expected that, didn't you? Why doesn't he like cats? Okay, that's the worst, okay? Truth is, I went to a lot of commentaries on this to try to get different perspectives, and one commentary tried to soften this uh, saying of Jesus' and put it in a nice way, almost like you would say it like this. Um, Let me just get the verse here. Well, let the children be satisfied first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Now, is that sounding better? (laughs) It doesn't work. Those commentaries, I think, are weak in interpreting that. That doesn't sound any better. Some translators say, well, the word used for a feral or a wild dog or a street dog isn't used here. Actually, the word is used for a little dog or a house pet. Is that better? Women, let's just do a quick poll. Would you rather be called a dog or a little dog? I mean, just it's like neither of them are good choices. Well, I just called you a little dog. Oh, well, that's fine. You can call me a little dog. No, no, there's something, there's something about it, and I just want you to understand this. Then and now, it's strong language. It's strong language. It's tough language to hear. I want to make some observations and do a little uh, theology here with you so you get kind of what's going on here. So first of all, let me say this. Theologically, Jesus is always ever loving in all that he says and does. That's, that's why we, we got to make that assumption from the Bible that Jesus is always ever loving in all that he says and does. Okay? That's the first thing you need to hear. Okay, the second thing is it's a parable he's giving her. It's a parable. The children are the children are the Jewish people, okay? The bread is the message of God for redemption. And the dogs is what Jewish people in that day would call Gentiles. They'd call them dogs. All right, that's the second thing I want you to know. It's a parable. The third thing, I'm doing a little teaching here, Jay. It's important to see this. Number three, he doesn't say you'll never be fed. If you look at it carefully, he says... 
It's not right for me to feed the dogs when I've got to feed the kids first. The kids first. The Jewish people. In other words, what he's saying to her is, you're a Gentile, not yet. You don't get it yet. I'm going first to the children of Israel. I'm going first to the Jews. You're going to have to wait your turn. You're going to have to wait your turn. Number four, the early church was on this same program. The early church was on this same program. Whenever the church started, their first goal was to reach the Jew. And then their second goal was to reach the Gentile. That's important to note. Even the Apostle Paul, whenever he first came into town, he went to the synagogues. He went after the Jewish people. Then, after he'd gone to the Jewish people, he went to the Gentiles. What does Paul say in Romans 1.16? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Now, I just need you to hear this, that the, the Bible makes no excuse for this strategy of God. Jew first, Gentile second. It's important you understand that or you'll not understand the intent of this text. So let's back up. She asks for healing for her daughter, and Jesus says, to the Jew first. Okay, now there's no way around this because I was thinking, how would I respond to that? Okay, I, as I was meditating this week on this, I, my, my first thought was this, good gracious, Jesus. I mean, it's, it's a mom who's desperate for her child. Why don't you help her? That was my first thought as I was reading the text. Why don't you help this girl? But what if he was really helping her? What if he was trying to pull something out of her? And he wasn't really pushing her away. He was saying, keep coming. What if there's something deeper going on here, another deeper layer of the pizza, if you will, that really gets down to what Jesus is saying? And what if, what if he sent the demon into the daughter? Go back to the beginning of this story. What if he planned the whole thing? Because if he didn't plan the demon going into the girl, then the mother would have never found Jesus and sought, her out, sought him out. Has it ever occurred to you that sometimes in life that God puts something in you to raise up the passions inside of you? How long do you have to be a mom before you realize that? How long do you have to be a person in life before you realize you're built for passion? You are built to engage in something. You are built to shed blood over something. You are built to sacrifice and have intensity in your life. And one of the worst things you could do in your life is to be passionless. You need something to be passionate about. Something that draws something out of you. And God took a demon and a little girl, and that brought a passion out of that mother, and there she is at the feet of Jesus saying, I am desperate. See, that kind of desperation is beautiful because God puts that in us. Why do you think you like Netflix and Amazon series? And why do you think you like to watch TV shows? You know why? Because you like to watch somebody else's drama. You like to watch somebody else's passion. You like to watch somebody else shed blood. You like to see somebody else go through sacrifice because that's innate in you. 
That's innate in you. And that's why the stories are always like that on the TV. That's why they're like that on Netflix. Because they're drawing something out of you that's inside of you. But the most dangerous thing you could do with your life is to be passionless. It's to say, I don't want that kind of stuff going on in my life. I want to watch it on Netflix, but I certainly don't want it going on in my life. And has it ever occurred to you that maybe God's just going to stir up your life to bring out some deep passion in you? One of the worst things you could do in your life is go through life passionless, not have something you would die for, give your life for, sacrifice for, shed blood for. That's what makes life worth living. That's that's how you were designed. And I think he's saying to the lady, keep coming. Push through the junk. Push through it. Will you push through it, ma'am? That's what I think is kind of going on here in the text. And, and, and I just want you to see that with this insurmountable dilemma, sometimes God pulls that out of us and wants to see what's in us. And I fear some of you give up too easy sometimes. Just say, God doesn't care. God's put me off. When in reality, what he's really saying is keep coming. Maybe I sent the demon. All right, number four, uh, number three, let's go on. So this leads to number three because it's her astounding faith, her astounding faith. The Bible says she hears Jesus say that it's not good for to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And so she answers and she says in verse 28, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. Now, I, I, I just want you to hear this for a minute because I'm not really sure how to develop this. It just This is where my thoughts were going. She says, yes, Lord. There's no, there's no feministic protest. You chauvinist. How dare you call me a dog? That's what you got going on in culture today. Okay? You don't see this at all from this lady. You don't see this at all. And, and I think there's something to this. Can you just see him? Can you just see her saying... You insensitive jerk. She doesn't, she doesn't say that, does she? She says, yes, Lord. She didn't say, I can't believe you talked to me like that. No matter how critical Jesus is being of her, it didn't bother the woman to be demeaned. Are you okay with being demeaned? It's because she's driven by a deeper passion. She's driven by a deeper passion. It's not about her. It's not about her. See, that's what culture wants you to believe. It's all about you. When in reality, it wasn't about her at all. And that's why she could be demeaned. Because she could see past that. What's astounding is the woman responds calmly. Understand what Jesus is saying to her. She gets it. She understands it. She says, yes, Lord. Let me just point some things out here to you. Yes, Lord. It's the first and only time in the book of Mark someone calls Jesus Lord. (laughs) It's a Gentile woman who is of Jezebel's descent, and she calls Jesus Lord. It's the first time in the book. It's amazing to me when you say Jesus is Lord, you're saying kurios in the Greek. You're saying the sovereign God. Yes, sovereign God. Yes, Lord. You're right. To the children first. 
Okay, that's the first thing I want you to see. The second thing I want you to see is this is the first time Jesus speaks in a parable and the person understands it. Now, this is an amazing thing to think about. Uh, She understands what he's doing. Time and time again, Jesus speaks in parables and no one gets it, not even his disciples. It's just like crickets. Remember the last one in Mark 8 when we were talking about the... uh, uh, Jesus said, it's, it's not what goes into your stomach that defiles you. It's what comes out of you that defiles you. Crickets. Not one disciple got that. That was a parable. And so they pull him aside in the house and say, hey, dude, what were you talking about? I mean, it's like dumb and dumber. I mean, it's like they never got it. They never got one of his parables. They didn't put them together until years later, and he was gone. So the disciples missed it. Everybody missed his parables. I don't get it, Jesus. What's going on? The first person in Mark who gets it is this woman. Now, let me tell you something else about this woman. She's witty. She is witty. I don't know how to say it, except she responds to Jesus in his parable. This is a witty woman. She responds in his peril. She's in step with Jesus. She believed he was the Messiah. She believed he was the Lord God. She realizes she's an outsider. And she says, but even the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs, Lord. Even the dogs eat of the children's crumbs. What she's saying is this, Jesus... I have no prior claim to your mercy. I'm not numbered with your children. I'm not one of them. And I don't deserve it. But Jesus, I know something about kids and dogs that you may not know. That those dogs will gather under the table And though the children should get the crumbs or get the meal first, I know children, and they'll knock things off their plate, and they'll fall right on the floor, and the dog will be there to get it up. Jesus, I know crumbs will fall. I don't need to take from the children. I just need the crumbs that fall from their table. Jesus, Can I have a crumb? I'll be satisfied with a crumb. Jesus, that's not breaking the order. Jews first, Gentiles second, children first, dogs second. I'll take that. Give me the crumbs they forget about. Heal my daughter, please. Please heal my daughter. I know she's not your family. I know she's not numbered with Israel. I know we are dogs. And we're waiting for crumbs. Could I just have one crumb? Now, let's just stop there and wound back a little, okay? Go back to last week. Compare this woman to the Pharisees. See, that's the context. The Pharisees didn't think they were unclean because they kept all the food laws. 
This woman, who knows she's unclean, declares herself unclean before Jesus. I'm a dog. The Pharisees, who fought for their rights and their dignity, were judgmental, critical, impatient, and unkind. This woman's everything that is opposite of that. She knows who she is. I've, I've thought about that this week. How many times through history and in the Bible have broken people come before God and identified themselves with the lowest form of life like an animal? It's amazing to think about that. The prodigal son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Isaiah, in the presence of God, woe is me. I am unclean. Think about all of those. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? You know, the new songwriters won't even put the worm in there. They change it to sinner, for such a sinner as I. But when she wrote that song, she meant a worm because she was in the presence of God and she knew who she was when she wrote it. John Newton, when he got saved and sat down and wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He knew who he was. He knew who he was. Charlotte Elliott, when she wrote, Just as I am, without one plea, poor, wretched, blind. She knew who she was. She was the richest woman in London when she got on her knees and said, I'm poor, I'm wretched, and I'm blind. See, that's the experience of being in the presence of Jesus. You know who you are. And this woman knew who she was. She basically said, every crumb you bestow on me, I receive as an unworthy servant. Every crumb. I love what J.C. Ryle says. The true believer savors every crumb that comes from the hand of God. That's so good. The true believer savors every crumb that comes from the hand of God. Now, in the overflow of God's mercy, we should be satisfied with crumbs. But let me tell you something about God. He's not satisfied to just give us crumbs. Right now, you may feel crumbs, and you may savor them because you're a child of God. But one day, God says, I'm going to set before you a table. And you're going to feast gloriously. And you're not going to be like a dog under the table. You're going to have a portion with the children at the table in the millennial kingdom. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to understand that. Okay, that is the astounding faith. Let me go on. Number four, her sweet disposition. Her sweet disposition. Notice this in verse 29. Jesus says to her, because of this answer, go, the demon has gone out of your daughter. See that phrase there, because of this answer, go? Uh, literally, most of the time, Jesus would say, because of your faith. But this time he says, because of what you said. And the word in the Greek is logos. Because of your word, 
your daughter is healed. Because you said to me, yes, but even the dogs get the crumbs under the table. Jesus said, your daughter's healed. Just from that word, because that word identified not just faith, but even something even more important than faith. Not more important. I guess I should say at the same level. And this is what I want to drive home to you. There's a lot of us here, we claim Jesus like her by faith. But what she possessed is not what all of us possess. And I say this with all the kindness, I can say this as your pastor. This woman had humility. She had humility. This is not applauded in your culture. This may not even be applauded in your home. Your home, you may have to fight to win. You may have to get angry to make your point. But I'm telling you, it's one of the hardest things you'll come by is taking your faith and attaching it to humility. Because there's something about faith and humility together that Jesus responds to. And many times... We get caught up in things like this where we don't even realize it. How do you talk to somebody when they talk to you with disdain? How do you talk to somebody when it makes you angry inside what they just said? You want to just get it in control? You want to tell them what you want to do and what you're going to do? There's no humility. You're not broken over it. You're ticked off. I've done that. I hate to admit it. I've done that in my witness with people. I try to share my faith with people, and people will disdain me. They'll attack me, or they'll mock me. And immediately in my spirit, you call me a dog? Who do you think you are? You put your britches on the same way I put my britches on. That's what I'm thinking in my head. All right, I'm out of here. You're going to give me that kind of treatment? See, even in my witness, I'll be driving away thinking, I just blew it. I just blew it. No humility. No humility. And sometimes I, people can make me upset when I try, even try to share my faith. It's just, it's, it's difficult to really have this kind of sense where, where it's okay to be a dog. See, that just doesn't even make sense to us. It's okay to be a dog. It's just something inside of us that just brittles and bristles up about that. She's not like a lot of us. She's gentle and lowly. Lowly. Call, call me a dog. Call me what you want. I don't want to take their bread. I'm bringing nothing to this because I am nothing. And I got nothing to bring, Jesus. I just need your mercy. I just need a crumb. That's all I need. The Jews had a saying in that day that the Pharisees spread around to eat with an idolater is to eat with a dog. That's what Jesus would have been, a dog. Because he's eating with a dog. And that's how the Pharisees would have interpreted what he did. But this woman says, I beg you, heal my daughter. Just give me a crumb. I've got nowhere else to go. All I've got is you, Jesus. Will you heal her? Help me. That's such a beautiful thing because that's what brought you to faith in Christ is you had the faith to believe Jesus died for you, but you also had the humility to be so broken you could see yourself like Charlotte Elliot. You could see yourself like 
John Newton, you could see yourself like Isaiah. There was something totally broken in you, and you were humbled at that moment, and you said, there's nothing I can bring to the table. Because there's always something inside of us. We think we're, we got a little something special than other people have, and we're just maybe a little better than others because we always got something. And Jesus says, no, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whatever you got, if you're trying to get from this cavern to this cavern or to this mountain to this mountain and you got to jump over a cavern, you may look at all the people that got to jump over the cavern. You say, man, that guy won't make it far. That guy won't make it. That kid won't make it far. They won't make it far. But you won't make it that far either. You may get a little further, but you're never going to reach the other side. And yet something in our psyche tells us, I got something to count on. Jesus, maybe I got a claim I could lay here. And Jesus says, you got no claim. Nothing. You've got nothing to offer me. No claim. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You can't make a difference in any way on that. Why? We're all dead in our sin. We're all dead in our sin. That's why the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and then not of yourselves. You see how many times he tries to say it in the Bible? Not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No one will go to heaven and boast of one thing that they somehow did that earned somehow a favor of God. Nothing, nothing. There's nothing you're going to boast of in heaven. You're going to get to heaven, you're going to say, I made it? Me? It certainly wasn't you. It was God in his mercy and grace that saved you. And you put your faith in that, but in putting your faith that you had to humble yourself. You had to come down and be broken. Now, here's the thing. You got saved that way. Why can't you walk that way in your Christian life? Why is there a fight in you? Why do you want to bring everybody to task? It's just in us. It's just in our flesh. There's something in us that to be like this is so foreign to us, and it just doesn't sit well. So I just ask you, are you humble? Are you humble? Or are you opinionated and proud of it? Are you argumentative? Nobody's going to walk on you. Are you critical? Are you condescending? What I'm saying is this, is if it's your faith and humility that saves you, then it's your faith and humility that God responds to as your walk with the Lord. And if you need God to respond to you, you got to have both those. you got to have the faith, but you got to have the humility that isn't about, man, just, just put me to task. No, no, God says just, just a brokenness. And I, I promise you, you have that faith and that humility. He'll respond to you. That's why he responded to this woman. He said, man, what you said, you just got your healing. What you said, I knew your heart when I saw that, okay? That leads me to number five, and I'm going to close with this, okay? Her satisfying reward, her satisfying reward. Basically, Jesus said, the devil's gone from your daughter. You know what I like about that? It's the only healing that Jesus did from a distance in the book of Mark. All the other healings, he said something. Can you imagine the little girl with the demon in? The demon's like, I don't know what's wrong, man. I got, I got to go. And he's gone. Can you just imagine that? I mean, this is, that's the first time he does it by distance. And it's the only time he does it in the book of Mark. One healing because of what this woman said. Because her faith and her humility. 
And, and I, I'm reading into the text here because I think this kind of captures uh, the, the unspoken delight in Jesus. He's got, kind of got a twinkle in his eye. He's looking at this woman, and he's thinking to himself, maybe he's even going to say it to her. This woman gets it. This woman gets it. He's sitting over, he said, I've been with these mojos around me for months now, and none of them ever get it. They can't connect the dots. I'm God, and they don't get it. Lady, do you know that I've stood before the religious leaders of Israel? I've just stood before the elite, and they wanted to kill me. They wanted to reject me. They hated me. But you, you, ma'am, are a Gentile. You don't even know the Scriptures. You're of Jezebel's descent. And you, you get it. You get it. Man, demon's gone. It's done. Jesus rewards humility. I want you to know that. I want you to see that very clearly. He rewards it as it's, it's as important to faith. It's as important as faith to him. It's as important as faith. Jesus gave the unclean that which is holy and sacred, and he denied it from those who proclaim themselves clean. The true believer savors the crumbs. I love that quote. He savors the crumb. Would anyone trade this crumb of salvation for anything this world has to offer? And remember this about the crumb, by the way. The crumb is the great pearl, the pearl of great price. And he gave it to her, and he'll give it to you. Let's pray. It's about eyes closed. The praise team's going to sing in our closing song. Has there been a time in your life that you've made that initial statement of your faith in Christ and in humbleness said that's me man I'm a wretch I'm a worm I am unworthy there's nothing good I bring father I'm guilty that's where you start that's where you start it's an ownership of who you are and once you know who you are then you know what Jesus can do for you went to a cross and he shed his blood and paid the price for your sin and in his grace he offers it to you by faith and humility Jesus save me Jesus save me if you never prayed that prayer you need to pray that prayer and just say Jesus Christ save me from my sin be my Lord and my Savior I receive you right now I want to say to the people who are believers in here, how's God writing your story? Could it be that he's not pushing you away, but he's pulling your faith out? He's pulling out your passion, your intensity, and your sacrifice, and maybe even the shedding of blood for another. He's not wanting you to just watch it on Netflix. He's wanting you to live it. Live it. 
Let that passion arise through whatever you face. Something sent your way or to see what you got in you. He's drawing it out of you because he knows it's there. You just keep coming. You keep going after him. He's all you got. He's all you got. Father, I lift up this, these believers here today. Maybe there's an unbeliever that needs to claim you as Savior. Lord, I pray your blessing over them now. I pray the word was spoken as clearly and best as I know how. And God, draw us to that place of faith and humility. We all could use that. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Praise team's going to come and sing. God's speaking to you about something in your life. The altar's open, I'm sure.